This pandemic has made it harder for everyone to spend time with friends and family. And that solitude can have real health consequences, particularly for groups that are vulnerable, like the elderly or those who live alone. But what if there was a technology, say a robot, that could keep grandma company? Would you buy it? Seagal Samuel tried to answer that question. She's a staff writer at Vox and the host of the Future Perfect podcast. Seagal, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So right off the bat, this seems like a very futuristic, almost tech-utopian idea. You know, robots keeping us company in our old age. But like this actually exists, right? Can you give us a sense of what this looks like in, in just practical terms? Yeah, sure. So there's basically, I would say, two categories of these social robots. Any robot that is playing a social role, a role that normally a person would be playing, we typically call a social robot. So first you have the ones that are just designed to give you company. They're companion robots. They might come in the form of a cute dog or a cat uh, or a baby seal, or they might come in a more humanoid form, uh, a robot that will talk to you in English. Hmm. Um, But they're designed to keep you company. The others are designed for personal care, actual caregiving activities like bathing you or, say, lifting you out of bed and into a wheelchair. And those tend to be a bit more high end and expensive. So you spoke to a few older people who have used these technologies. What was their experience like? Well, it really varies, but uh, I spoke to this one woman, Mabel Laruzic, who's 90 years old, lives in rural upstate New York. I don't get out much, and she thinks it'll be company for me. And uh, she recently, when the pandemic started, she got this robotic puppy, who she has since named Lucky. I just love him. I love to rub his head and pet him. And I put him to bed at night, and I rub his head, and I tell him, go to sleep. And he, I don't hear nothing of him all night. He's so good. <laughs> <laughs> He's well-behaved. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Does he sleep in? And she bed? is fully cognizant that it is a robot and not a real dog. But she still interacts with it kind of as if it's a real dog. Uh, there's a sort of willing suspension of disbelief. Um, like I guess a lot of us have with our pets. And she says it's really been great company for her during the pandemic when she's more isolated than usual. So she's having a real positive experience with it. Um, But there's a lot of nuance and individual tastes differ. So some people aren't so fond of the idea. For example, I asked my own grandmother as I was reporting this story whether she would like me to get her one of these robotic pets. She said, quote, No, I'd feel like an idiot. Hmm. (laughs) She just thought it would be very awkward to talk to something that she knows is an inanimate object. It did not appeal to her at all. So it really depends on the person. What does the science say about the effectiveness of these machines to ward off loneliness? Are more people like your grandma or are more people like Mabel? It really varies. We have, over the past few years, amassed a decent body of research That suggests that interacting with these robots can improve people's well-being, but the effects will vary a lot depending on the individual. Is it someone like Mabel or like my Nana? Uh, And it depends a lot on their cultural context and the type of robot and how well that robot is designed. I would say the most well-studied robot is called Paro. Paro, modeled on a baby harp seal, 
displays emotional responses to external stimuli, which are input via a range of tactile, light, audio, and temperature sensors. It is very cute, uh, but it's pretty sophisticated. It coos and it moves and it has these built-in sensors that let it recognize words that you speak, like its name, and it can feel how it's being touched, like if you're stroking it or you're hitting it. And it'll actually learn to behave in the way that you, the user, prefer. So it'll remember actions that have earned it a stroke, and it'll try to repeat those. And there have been studies that show that in older adults, especially those with dementia, Paro can reduce loneliness, depression, blood pressure, and even the need for some medications. Hmm. So, you know, not all robots are as good as that, as good as Paro, which is actually classified in the U.S. as a medical device. There's a range, but some of them do have pretty good data. I got to ask, why why a baby seal? I don't know. I feel like it's because it was made in Japan and Japanese roboticists are into cute stuff and they come up with like funny, cool, wacky ideas that Americans would not think of. We just think of dogs and cats. So there's some research that these are a pretty good idea. Should we all race to go buy one? I think the most important point to remember is that there's actually no one answer to that question. I would say there's a few different questions you have to ask. So one is, what's going to be the effect on the elderly person in question? Is it going to make them feel like they have more autonomy, let's say because you've gotten them a robot that uh, will bathe them or take them to the bathroom and now they feel like they don't have to have that embarrassing moment where they're like relying on another person to take them to the bathroom? Or is it going to make them feel uh, a loss of dignity because they feel like they're being moved around by a robot like they're just a lump of clay? Again, that'll really depend on the individual's personal taste and orientation. Um, So You know, you have to consider what it would do to the senior in terms of would it enhance or infringe on their feelings of dignity, autonomy, freedom, privacy, all of that. But you also have to consider what effect this would have on, like me, the potential would-be caregiver for my grandparent. Some of the tech ethicists I talked to Uh, In particular, Shannon Valor, she's a philosopher of technology at the University of Edinburgh. She draws what I think is a really helpful distinction between liberation from care and liberation to care. If getting your grandma one of these robots is going to liberate you from care in the sense that you're going to feel like, cool, I no longer need to visit my grandma or call her up on the phone. She's got the robot to keep her company. Like, that is not a good outcome because... Human contact is already a luxury good that as we create robots to do the work of people more cheaply, you know, a lot of seniors are getting less human contact. So we don't want to create a world where they're getting even less of it. On the other hand, if getting your grandma a robot would liberate you to care, to care more by kind of just taking off your shoulders, some of the burdens, some of the tasks that you just feel a little overwhelmed by. And so because you feel a little bit of a lightened burden, you're now able to actually show up better and be more loving and patient to your grandma, then yeah, then maybe it's a good idea. Seagal Samuel is a staff writer at Vox. She's also the host of the Future Perfect podcast, which just came out with a new season. Go check it out. 
wherever you get your podcasts.